Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Eric Spencer has spent the last 25 years working as both an internal and external individual to organizations spanning the corporate life cycle, from lean startups to Fortune 50 mega corporations. His passion is helping companies, organizations, teams, groups, and individuals get better as leaders, as managers, as coaches, as mentors, and as human beings. Helping folks get better is what he loves to do, and he's lucky enough to get to do this every day as the Chief Operating Officer at SkyTeam. Their organization has worked with more than 10,000 leaders in 30 countries and four continents. Their global leadership and management development programs bring people together to strengthen relationships and alter interpersonal dynamics in ways that result in both business and individual successes. And this is one of the reasons that I'm anxious to talk with Eric today, because I believe this concept of altering interpersonal dynamics plays a significant role in being brave at work, that sometimes you do need to step out of the box or be a little bit more courageous to modify or alter the relationship that you have with others in order to ensure that you share with them what they need to hear in order to be a better performer at work. Hello, Eric. Hey, Ed, how you doing? I am doing great. Thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. So I did a light intro of you, and I'm wondering, and I know our listeners would love to hear a little bit more about your background, as well as the type of work that you're doing today. Sure, absolutely. So I grew up a lifer in HR. Um, I spent the last 20 some odd years working in and out of technology organizations, uh, did a few startups, um, have been around the people side of the business block. Um, hooked up with, with Morag and Sky Team um, in 2012. So it's actually, it's actually, we're pushing a decade here at Sky Team. Wow. Um, yeah, I know, right? That's the longest I've done anything in a row. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we focus primarily on leadership and team development, a little bit of, ex- of executive coaching sprinkled in there. Um, but our focus is is on workplace relationships. So no matter what work we're doing, either in the leadership or team development space, it is always lensed through the idea that the power and depth of the relationships you have at work are the primary determinator of your happiness, engagement, and productivity in the workplace. 
So relationships are where it's at. You can have the best idea, the best widget, the best process, but if you don't get the people stuff right, that's when it all starts to fall apart. And that's all predicated on the quality and depth of the relationships that you have. Well, I love this word relationships. And while I'm not a sociologist, I do believe that very subtly we have been moving away from more hierarchical type organizations where the boss had the corner office. And, you know, we could still remember those movies from the 1940s where all these people were sitting in a big room behind a computer and typing away and the boss would come in and, you know, it was highly hierarchical to one that is more relationship based, right, where it's about who you know, how you connect with them. Uh, what type of relationship do you have with folks? And I'd love to have you talk a little bit more about the value that you have seen in relationships, because I believe the relationships is a key factor that can positively influence people to be braver at the workplace. Yeah, you know, Ed, it's interesting. Um, a lot of times the work that we do and and the idea that relationships are important get categorized as that soft, fluffy stuff that uh, doesn't really matter. You know, we, we, we talk to some, some hard-nosed execs who say, you know, we got real work to do. We don't have time to focus on this, on this soft, squishy people stuff. Um, but what's interesting, you know, as, as you point out, the, the, the shift from the more traditional business hierarchy, you know, all the way down to, to, to some organizations embracing full holacracy at this point, um, the relationships become even, even more important because there's not a traditional power structure to hang it on um, in all cases. And even when we do have, you know, a pretty traditional organizational structure, um, teams tend to be much more matrixed these days. We tend to be much more interdependent on each other for our success. I mean, one of the things that we say here at Sky Team is that you can't high perform alone, right? Um, business is a contact sport and, it's likely the biggest team sport that any of us will ever play. So realizing that the critical nature of those interdependencies is, is super important and shining a light on how important it is to, to step into those relationships. You know, you, you talk about being brave. I, I think being brave is a byproduct of, of being comfortable. And if we have relationships in what we call the ally space, meaning I'm in it, for us, the betterment of the relationship all the time. It's unconditional we. Um, the chances or my propensity to be brave is going to go way up. If we're in a rival or adversarial type of relationship, I may be selectively brave when it when there's something in it for me, but otherwise I may just hang back and, you know, Conversely, not give you the warnings of impending disaster, not have your back in those situations where I could probably help elevate your cause. Um, I'll just hang back and, and let you twist in the wind and see what happens. And then maybe, you know, swoop in there and pick at your remains like a like a bird. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know we are audio only, but I'm smiling as you were saying that there are leaders who say we don't have time for that stuff or it's too soft. You know, there needs to be a moment in our existence where somebody, you know, maybe it's Oprah. Uh, says, you know, it's not soft, that these are hard skills. And that's why we don't do them. It, it's right. hard to be empathetic. It is hard to navigate conflict effectively. It is hard to be brave. These are not soft skills. These are not things that you can toss to the side. I'm not saying that what you do is easy. You know, being a great attorney or a great pharmaceutical engineer, you know, these are hard things to do to stay topical in. It's equally as hard 
in respect to how you operate as a leader. And in the work that I hear clients talk through, they are good at what they do. These are leading professionals. It's how they do it where they need help. And this is where people like you and I come in to help. 100%. I mean, being good at your job is table stakes, right? That's what gets you in the door. That's what gets you the seat at the table. What you do with that seat at the table is a whole different thing. Um, We do an exercise in a lot of our workshops called Best Bosses, Best Colleagues. And we just have people come up with, with adjectives, characteristics. They have them think about some of their best boss relationships or colleague relationships in their histories. And then just generate a list of adjectives about what made that person special, what made that person awesome. And invariably, right, we will, we will put up three circles on the wall. We have one that says IQ, how smart they are. One that says FQ, functional quotient, right? How, how good they are at their job, their technical abilities, and then the people skills, right? And invariably, those post-it notes get smacked up into that people skills circle the thing that makes you memorable, the things that, that makes you different as, as a leader and that puts you on those short lists of those, of those folks thinking about you, it's all the people skill stuff, right? So being good at your job and being a smart person, that's great and required, but it doesn't make you special or different as a leader. And I'm curious, uh, Eric, in the work that you do at your organization, do you spend any time focused on specifically bravery in the workplace, which is saying something that needs to be said or doing something that needs to be done? It might be uh, countercultural, right? Or it might be unique. It might be scary, whatever it might be. I'm not suggesting you should have this program, but I'm just (laughs) wondering, uh, is this something that you talk about with leaders to help them be more effective in working with others? Well, absolutely. Um, we So my business partner, Morag Barrett, she wrote a book a few years ago called Cultivate the Power of Winning Relationships. And, and in the, this book, there is uh, what we call the relationship ecosystem. So essentially, it's, it's four archetypes of relationships. And I mentioned them a little bit ago. You know, we talk about this notion of being an ally. This is an unconditional we relationship. We have uh, supporter relationships that are a little bit more conditional than unconditional, um, rival and adversary relationships, right? So these four relationships kind of give us the lens through which we put a lot of our of our work. Um, to be an ally is a is a culmination of five components, right? One of those is abundance and generosity, right? You show up with this abundance mindset versus a scare, versus a scarcity mindset. You have the ability then to be connected and compassionate with those other people. And then here's, here's where the bravery comes in, steps three and four. Step three is, is courage and vulnerability, right? To, to show up as an ally, you've got to let the guard down. And to do so, you have got to be courageous because it takes some guts to let the guard down and be your authentic self. You know, we are socialized as, as humans and, and specifically as Americans in business, that being vulnerable means being weak. You're the bloody antelope at the back of the herd that the lions are going to get. But, you know, folks like Brene Brown, who focus her research primarily in that aim, in that area of shame and vulnerability, um, what she's provided to the world over the last few years is, hey, when we're vulnerable, that's when the magic happens. That's when the good stuff comes. And when we show up guarded, right, it takes longer to get there. In some cases, we may not ever get there. 
but it takes guts. It takes bravery to actually lower the walls. And then if we can do that, right, as an ally, component number four is candor and debate. It's being able to say what needs to be said, being able to give the feedback that you need to hear, not just the feedback that you want to hear. Um, and then the, the final component is action and accountability. If we can have that conversation that needs to be had, then we can actually do something about it, hold each other accountable. Well, it's such an interesting cultural experience that we have because there is this belief that the more senior you are at an organization, the more perfect you are and that your <laughs> likelihood for making mistakes or not knowing something is less. This is why it's always so fascinating when a big leader tumbles, right? Because it's right. opposite to what we think should be happening. And, exactly. uh, you know, we just operate in this way that, the, the you know, the bigger we are, the more that we know and the more that we uh you know, navigate through our challenges more effectively. And I assume you work with senior leaders at organizations as well as kind of entry level or first time leaders at organizations. And you know, would you say that they all have kind of similar uh, opportunities or similar needs or concerns with each other, regardless of their level? For sure. Um, <laughs> the more senior folks just have more battle scars to prove their, their time in the trench. One of my colleagues, Ruby, she likes to say, uh, the higher up the food chain you are, the less likely people are to tell you the truth, which is interesting, right? When you, when you talk about the opportunities to be brave and the expectations around bravery, you know, we expect the folks at the top of the food chain to say the things that need to be said, but they don't always because they're human beings and interacting with other human beings is risky and messy. It is. And this is an area that I think uh, is fascinating to spend time on, which is trying to understand why someone who's more senior is perceived to be more perfect and hence less receptive to hearing, hey, Eric, I wanted to give you some feedback on the meeting that you led today. I think there's a couple of things that you could have done differently that would have been more effective. Uh, I don't think that's a controversial statement to make to a company president. Yet we feel like the president's going to say, how dare you say that to me? You know, this is inappropriate. You're fired. Right. That's, right. The, that's the model that we create that we think is going to happen instead of thank you. You know, you're the first person in the organization to ever share yeah. with me something I could be doing differently to be more effective. I'd love to hear it and I'd love to work on it. You know, we don't think that's going to happen. What we think is going to happen is something terrible. Well, it's funny, Ed, you use the word model. That's the model we create. And I use the word mythology. I think that's the mythology that we create. You know, I, I have a client. Um, that I'm thinking about right now. And the CEO is a, is a woman, strong leader. She's run the business since the 90s. And people are afraid to say things to her. And, and it was funny, when I started working with the organization, I asked everybody, I talked to, to pretty much everybody inside the organization, small company, about 30 people. And I asked, I said, so why? Why are you afraid to say, or, or they would tell me a story and I would say, have you had this conversation with the leader? And they would say, well, God, no, I can never have this conversation. And I would say, why? And invariably, it was all some flavor of, well, I'm going to get fired. And I asked the question, I said, who do you know inside this organization that has ever gotten fired for doing something like this? Or has ever really gotten fired for anything other than egregious performance, period? Well, nobody had any names, right? There was always the story of that person, you know, who did something and then got run out of town, but there was never any specific name. It was always just this sort of gray ghost of a person who, who didn't work here anymore, but it was untrue, right? 
it was this mythology that if I cross that line, I'm putting myself at risk. I'm, I'm committing career suicide potentially here when that's usually not the case. Well, I love the word mythology, and I'm going to steal it going forward, if you don't mind. It's all yours. And, <laughs> and uh, it's interesting to the degree that we create mythologically reasons not to do something versus spending time as to the benefits of doing something, right? If I could think about equally the benefits of being candid with a leader about something that they could do differently to be more effective, do it respectfully and professionally, of course, I'm never going to judge or belittle uh, and spent more time on that versus all the reasons why I can't do it, even though they're not real, I think we would have a more effective relationship. I'm wondering, Eric, in your uh, history, in your work life, if you have a story that you could share with our listeners about something you didn't do or an opportunity where you didn't demonstrate bravery and how you think back on it now and the impact that it had on your career. Sure. I have a story that is complete with fear bad decisions, intrigue, romance, and double crossing, all sorts of bad behavior. <laughs> wow, write a book. <laughs> right? So um, I worked I worked in a few startups, and, and this happened in a startup. And I was the head of HR in, in, this, in this tech startup. And it's one of those situations where when things start to tighten, as they do in startups, right? Funding is finite. And when things start to tighten, you see leaders start to make bad decisions, right? And as the, as the, the HR person, the, you know, the, the company conscience, the voice in the room, um, it's, it was on me, right? The onus was on me to call that and to have those, those tough conversations with, with the CEO and COO. And I didn't because CEO is kind of a scary dude. Um, known for his, his directness and temper. And, and the COO was kind of a slippery dude, known for his, his tact and sneakiness. And I stayed quiet. And ultimately, it, it cost me my job. Um, it, it was the only job I've ever lost. It cost me my job in, in, a, in a weird way, right? So I knew things were going on, but I didn't say anything. Um, I... <laughs> I got a call from, from a friend of mine that said, hey, are you still working at this company? I said, yeah. And they said, well, I think they, someone just posted your job on Craigslist. <laughs> and I was like, well, Craigslist is an interesting choice, but okay. <laughs> so I contacted one of my friends in, 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 in the industry and I said, hey, do me a favor. Would you apply to this gig? And she said, sure. And she did. And then she stopped talking to me. And I thought, huh. So here's an opportunity for her to be brave, and she did not. Um, ultimately, make short story long here, Ed. They offered her the job. <laughs> she she took it, um, and then invariably married my old boss. So wow, yeah. So so the the cost to me for not stepping in and doing the thing I needed to do, and then trying to trying to outsmart the system here. Um, it cost me. And, you know, if looking back on that, if I had those those decisions to make differently now, would I make them differently? Oh, 100 percent. Right. I would make a whole host of those decisions differently um, down to maybe maybe being more thorough in my due diligence before joining the organization. Right. But um, we find ourselves with a hand. Right. We get dealt a hand and we have to play the one that we get. And the choices that we make, they they may seem 
insignificant at the time. But, you know, one of the things we like to say is relationships are made or broken one conversation at a time. And the choice to enter into those conversations, that's on us, right? And to your point earlier, you know, we awfulize about what could go wrong, how badly this could go, when rarely does it ever go that way, right? Um, I'm a detail person. I'm a disc C. I'm an INFJ, right? I, I can... Look, I can scenario analyze with the best of them, and I would prefer to do that than to have the tough conversation. But I realize now, because of experiences like that, what's at stake, and and you know, you are much more you are much more at risk by not stepping in and saying the thing than enduring the myriad uh, maladies that you think could happen or go wrong in the tough conversation. Well, I wish we had another hour to talk about that <laughs> example you just provided, because you're right, it is filled with romance and uh, <laughs> it behavior. I'm just curious, Eric, if there was one thing, and I think there's probably multiple things you would have done differently, <laughs> but if there was one thing that that experience of not being brave taught you, you know, what's something that you would have done differently that might have provided a different outcome? Yeah, I mean, when I, when I think back over that situation, um, it was a domino effect, right? Uh, each successive uh, missed opportunity made it worse, right? So my obligation was when those decisions, you know, as I said in the beginning, when when resources started to tighten and I started to see decisions being made that went against the way we did things that weren't consistent with what the company was about, I should have stepped up and said something. That's that that to me was the first domino. And and had I done that, I think the story would have ended differently. Yeah. Yeah. We do talk a lot with our guests about saying something that needs to be said and the bravery it takes sometimes to do it. We oftentimes only realize the success that we had or the possible failure later upon reflection and thinking back saying, boy, if I had to do that all over again, I definitely would have said something or wow, I'm so glad I said something because I'm afraid of what the outcome would have been. So Eric, thank you so much for sharing that story. And as we exit our podcast today, I'm wondering what is the best way that folks can get in touch with you to hear more about Sky Team and the work that you're doing today in the marketplace? Yeah, sure. Best way to get us is at our website, skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E-T-E-A-M.com. Um, I also host a podcast that is a community for HR and people leaders. It's called The Corporate Bartender. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, look for the, the book that Morag has written. It's called Cultivate the Power of Winning Relationships. And we are writing the follow-up to that book right now, which is based all about being the ally, right? It's all about an ally mindset, the decisions that we can make to show up in those relationships. Um, wrestling with the title right now, titling a book is a, is a, is a fool's errand, I think. Um, but the book will be coming out next fall. It's October of 2022. Fantastic. I look forward to it. A good friend of mine wrote an article several years ago, uh, called ally friend or foe, and it was helping leaders, uh, recognize, uh, if people you work with are a friend, which is not ideal. A foe, which of course is not ideal. Not ideal. <laughs> what you were looking for were allies, and these were yep. people who shared similar perspectives, helped each other. Yep. Uh, we're, we're honest with each other for good and for bad. So I love that word, ally, because that's what I hope everybody that I work with is. So Eric, thank you so much for your time today, your thoughts, and your story. It is greatly appreciated. 
Yeah, thanks, Ed. Thanks for having me. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. And we hope you join us on our next podcast conversation as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and our download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CabotRisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. If you have something to say yet are not saying it, if you have something to do yet are not doing it, now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.